Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over a hundred different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered. Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. On today's episode, we talk with Michael Dufek, who was a Division I baseball player at University of Michigan and now works at Next College Student Athletes helping high school students get their sports applications ready to apply for college. So on this podcast, we dive pretty deep into the mindset behind athletes and how you deal with failure, how to support yourself staying centered, and how to set yourself up for success in the long run. I welcome you to settle into this episode and enjoy. Welcome to the Centered in the City podcast, Mike. Thank you, Wade. Good to be here. I want to begin by asking you, what does being centered mean to you? For me personally, when I think of being centered, I think of being balanced. I think of being well-rounded. I think of being comfortable and uncomfortable all at the same time or at different times sometimes as well. Um, So... Yeah, for me, it's a little bit of all that, and being off-center can be, you know, not a great place to be, but it's not a place where you can't get back to center without a little bit of investigation, exploration, however you want to call it. Mm, I love that, that feeling of it's visceral to know when you're Mm off-centered, but knowing that you can recenter by just being curious, investigating, Yeah, and and that's why I say being comfortable and uncomfortable all at the same time can speak to being centered, off-center, however you want to define it. But um, seeking out discomfort is oftentimes how you get back to being centered Mm. or finding balance. Um, Something in your life may have thrown you off that you weren't expecting, and you're in this mode of not being in a position of any familiarity. And so that's where I say seek out that discomfort And by fighting through it or rising to the challenge that it's presented, you'll get back to being centered and probably have a firmer stance on that center, more balance, ready for that next challenge or the challenge, that same challenge when it comes up again in the future. I love that because what you're talking to is really about building resiliency, like to face the discomfort head on, not hide from it or run away from it, but to face it and know that through that, you will reground your center and be even stronger on the other side. Yeah, your foundation will even become stronger in that 
you know, it, it's very easy to just go through life and stay centered and just, you know, not try anything new, not challenge yourself, get stagnant almost. And you might say that I'm centered, but you're, you're also stagnant at the mm. same time. Like and too so, safe. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? You know, and so where I say the foundation grows by way of challenging yourself, by way of getting uncomfortable, it's that base of knowledge that you're building out or the resiliency, like you said, where, you know, these emotions and these feelings that you're having for the first time that are getting you off center maybe are not as foreign the next time something unexpected comes up or a challenge is presented. Mm. I love how much introspection you have, Mike. Oh my God, this is going to be fun where we go. Okay, so... Mike, you have your whole life essentially have been training as an athlete mm. and you were a D1 baseball player at University of Michigan. Go blue. That's correct. And so I'd love to hear like how in your own training and preparation for playing sports at a D1 professional level, like how did you practice staying centered as an athlete? There's a few ways to kind of interpret that question from the, 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 the mindset or the standpoint of being an athlete. And I think for me, being centered when it comes to, to an athlete, the first thought that comes that comes to mind is, is dealing with failure. Like, you know, the resiliency and the challenges that you face that I talked about. I feel like I've been so well prepared for the challenges of life simply because I played a sport throughout my youth and into my young adulthood and then almost as I was an adult or a man, you might say. Um, And so having had failed so many times and over and over again, and having to have learned from that failure, I think that's where I found a center. That's where I found balance. That's where you, you know, you, you come back to the dugout after striking out or you don't throw the ball where you wanted to throw it exactly. And you know, the outcome wasn't what you were hoping for you learn from that. And that's where that foundation that I've referenced already is being built and that that knowledge is like, all right, I don't want to do it this way. Mm. I do want to do it that way. Mm-hmm. How can I get to that? And, mm. and now that I've explored the ways that are, how I'm going to fail in it, now I have less options, but hopefully the right option to, to choose to, to succeed now moving forward. So as an athlete, when you're exploring your failures, mm. I mean, I'm not an athlete. So yeah. this is all, all what I've, yeah. I've seen in, you know, medias and, and hearsay. But, you know, they watch their replays. They, they learn about, oh, you know, I took a step this way when I really should have taken a step this way. Mm. So you reflect on it via video. Yeah. How do you translate that reflection process into your life when you are not on the field? Yeah. Great question. I think it's it's not so much, and I, I think there is an element of reviewing the game tape in your life too, mm-hmm. right? How did that outcome come by? You know, come about? What decisions did I make? What did I say? Where did I say the wrong thing? You know, in a conversation with a superior or a peer or whoever it may be that didn't go the way you wanted it to. So, obviously, reflecting on what led to that outcome is always going to be helpful, but more so from a mindset perspective, knowing that you're going to do things differently. You're going to try new things. You're going to maybe try the things the same way and not get the same outcome at times too. That's where the mindset starts to develop and that resiliency that, that we've talked about comes into play in that with each passing failure, it doesn't eat at you as much as the last one. And you learn how to cope with it more or how to, instead of looking at it as a negative, look at it as a positive, as a learning opportunity mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just looking at game tape and saying, this was right, that was wrong, I need to change this moving forward. It's more so when I have that failure come up again, Mm -hmm. you know, and me being in baseball, failure happens over and over again. 
it's not as much of a blow to my morale. It's not as much of a blow to my motivation. And it also, at the same time, you can convert it into energy and fuel to, to fuel your motivations even more to succeed in the future. Tell me, like, how do you do that? What is your internal process mm -hmm. to, because, you know, when we constantly get failure and yep. failure, it can definitely, if you don't sharpen your mindset or practice really working your mindset here, it can start to eat at your confidence or at your energy level. So, like, what's your internal process or what were you even trained to do as an athlete to kind of watch that so it sounds like it wasn't eating at you but you were you able to as you said use it for fuel yeah i and, and i should also say here that everybody has a different starting point mm -hmm. with this where me personally i was able to say all right that strikeout didn't mean anything and i'll get them next time and, and i didn't need as much help or coaching or guidance or need to talk to myself as much to get to that positive element of, of something that negative that have just occurred others have a bigger challenge how, how are you conscious of making this like the fork in the road that is this could be negative and I can live in that negativity or it can be a positive and I can seek out that positivity. I think that's where obviously some support system helps, right? A good coach, a good mentor, a good mm -hmm. peer to call you out when they say, Hey, you're wallowing in whatever mm -hmm. it is that you're, you got going on and you need to make something, you know, and I think knowing that there are, there's so much control we have over everything, you know, from a mental and mindset standpoint, right? you know, maybe not so much in what every outcome is. And, you know, a lot of my adult life has been realizing that you don't have great control of everything, but you do control your mentality and your mindset and your outlook a lot. And I think that's where, for me personally, I have said to myself, is this really something I should get wrapped up in? Is this really mm -hmm. something I should lose sleep over? Mm -hmm. Is this, you know, the one meeting didn't go well today. And am I going to stay up at night thinking about it? Where you've got a lot of other things going on in the world and these are very little minute things that are we're getting eat, are eating at our conscious a lot so being able to disassociate with every minute detail or every minute outcome and going back to what the bigger pictures are and what your bigger motivators are what your bigger goals or objectives might be and saying hey am i that far off track if this is my end goal because this little thing didn't go right for me today that's where I think if you can ask yourself that consciously in these moments of, of challenge, you're nine times out of 10, and maybe as you get better at it, 9.9 .9 and 10.0 you know, out of 10, you're gonna just be better for it, get better sleep at night, or uh, not have these things eat at you as constantly as they may have. Mm. Yeah. I, I love that thought process that you ask yourself for. It's like one, to pause and be like, okay, am I ruminating, or hopefully have a great support network that's like, do, yeah. let's support you here of getting you kind of out of your shit because it's so common that we can start to ruminate in the mind and get really wrapped up in the thoughts of what happened or what could have happened or what I did right or what I did wrong and and but it, what I hear you saying is like practicing that pause to kind of untangle and, and ask yourself is this worth it yeah. like is this worth it for me to lose sleep over is this worth it for me to really spend energy ruminating and if if it's not and then you say like oh how let me bring my attention back to the bigger goal and let me evaluate where am I really mm -hmm. in alignment to my goal and what do I kind of need to reorient to? Yep. I, th that moment in time where you get feedback and it can be from yourself. If you have, don't have that peer or that mentor or that mentor or peer is right there by your side to give it to you directly. 
or you have to seek it out from somebody saying, hey, can you take a look or let me know what you think or be real with me, right? That's where you really get to know your real friends, the people that really care about you. When things are not going as well as they had mm-hmm. or as you wanted them to, um, you hear it all the time. You know, your real friends will show themselves in those situations and it will be probably by way of them saying, hey, you're not going down the right path. You know, check yourself, look yourself in the mirror or hey, here's a better way to think about this, a better way to do this, a better way to attack Mm-hmm. whatever obstacle you have in mm-hmm. front of you. Well, it sounds like you really are practicing a growth mindset that mm-hmm. you are constantly kind of looking about how can I, I don't want to say get better, but it's like how, how can I do things differently, yep. right? How can I find more um, alignment or, or get back to my bigger goal or perform better? Mm-hmm. or And that sounds like that's a huge key to being open and curious about what's next versus like, no, I'm going to always do it this way for the rest of my life and yeah. hope that the results change. I mean, you know, seeing that we've talked a little bit about my athletic background here, I'll just use another athletic analogy here. But, like, when you see people that are the best in their field in whatever sport they participate in, you're Tom Brady's of the world, you're LeBron James of the world, you know, they have to have the growth mindset for them to be who they are, you know, the best at what they are. And, you know, again, we're not talking about being the best at anything here, but people start to emulate them, you know. That's why they have all this following across the world even you know those guys are saying to themselves if i just get stagnant if i'm content today somebody else is going to be the best in the world tomorrow or the next month or when the next season or whatever it may be so you know when you have that feeling of i'm centered but i'm stagnant that's almost and this is actually something i felt personally a little bit lately is it's almost that like it's you know you're off center in that you're stagnant right and you're not you know, that person who is in that growth mindset and is aiming to improve. And, you know, you know it as well as I do. There's never any shortage of ways to improve mm-hmm. whatever you're doing in life mm-hmm. or just everything going on in life. So um, that growth mindset is huge in all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's like how do you practice the growth mindset of constantly wanting to grow, mm-hmm. to learn, get to get stronger without leaning into, like, striving or maybe a little bit of what you were just alluding to kind of that that drive comparison mind of like you know LeBron like if if I slow down there's gonna be somebody better right and then we kind of get on this like hedonic treadmill of then never maybe good enough so like how do we balance that that's a great (laughs) I think that's a that's a good one or how do you play with it yeah yeah, I don't think there's the uh you lean in you embrace it almost right Mm -hmm. you know it's like hey like you know and and it's almost this feeling of like the goalposts are always moving you Mm -hmm. know you know and is, I don't see that as a bad thing personally because that means that for my remaining years of life, there's always going to be something. But I hear you about like striving for something all the time and that can wear you down. That becomes tiring. And I would say look for small wins too, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about getting centered, right? There's little things you can do each day. You talk about them all the time, Wade, mm-hmm. you know, and smaller steps that can create a bigger picture in the end. So um, if you do get worn down by the hustle, let's call it, or the grind, um, create smaller wins for yourself. You know, find other ways to, to create a bigger picture of being centered and, and being balanced. Mm. Yeah. I love that, that you're coming back to the small steps mm. because sometimes we can get so attached to this bigger vision mm. and, like, where are we going? How, you know, how do I get there faster yeah. and, you know, stronger and whatever else? But to then really ground ourselves back into, like, okay, what's just one small step I can do for myself yeah. so that we don't get so overwhelmed by yeah. the big picture? I mean, we're coming full circle here because I talked earlier about when you do fail in the moment, 
obviously go back to focusing on the big picture and the main objective that you're, you're working on, but at the same time, sometimes that feels daunting. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just playing those things off of one another, right? Mm -hmm. They contradict themselves, but in one moment, you might need one side of it, and the other moment, you might need the other, just to tell yourself to feel, you know, help yourself feel better, help yourself get to being where you're centered. Well, I think that, right, then that circles back to even your definition of being centered, mm -hmm. this balanced state of, you know, kind of, I mean, think of it as like walking. It's like sometimes you're on the left foot and then mm. you're balancing to go on the right foot. And so there's constantly this this gentle shifting of weight and back and forth as we're moving forward. Yep. And yeah, yet we're yeah. still centered. Right, yeah, like you're still pushing yourself. It may not be, again, you're not exhausting yourself. You're just pushing, right? You're balancing one left, one right, you know, and you keep playing those off of one another. Mm. Yeah. So Mike, you work at Next College Student Athlete and so you work with a lot of upcoming or current athletes in, in high school Correct. that yep. are applying for college. And so like how, as a, you're working with younger kids, like how are you guys supporting their training of their mindset? Yeah, it's obviously become bigger and bigger, especially in sport over the last three to five years, right? With the pandemic and the stress that that caused just to the entire population, but then you add into the fact that some of these kids that we're working with currently had their sport taken away, which right. could eventually kind of be leveraged into their livelihood. Because if you talk about what we do at NCSA, it's use your, your athleticism, either use your athletic skill set to create a better future for yourself by way of earning an education, a higher level education. And so if these kids aren't able to play their sport, they may not be able to go to college. Mm. And then they may not be able to get a, the job that they wanted, you know, so to say. So a lot of what we've done over the last two years that have been the pandemic has been helping on the mental side of everything and, and saying hey like yes you always want to become a better athlete and a lot of that has to do with physical well-being and you know improving your physical state but a lot of it also that we've come to realize and i guess there's one thing we can be grateful for the pandemic is the mental side of sport and making sure that you're training your mind to be in a position for you to succeed and excel when you're in those moments that you need to. So um, we've started developing a lot of series for teenagers on mental health, mental toughness, life skills. Like I spoke about earlier, being centered to me is being balanced, is being well-rounded. And so I've been a big fan of these series because we're not talking about sports anymore. Mm. We're talking about real life and what these kids are gonna face. And, the other thing that makes me excited and happy that we're doing it is, you know, you and I both know too, like you're not going to get a high school course these days or a college course these days that tells you how to deal with some of these things that, you know, we do deal with throughout our entire life. Mm -hmm. So. I love that because, you know, that's one of the things I feel passionate about with Centered in the City is that, you know, these are life skills. We're not, in, unless you have a mentor or a parent mm. who is a role model that models these kinds of ways of thinking or talking to yourself, it's like, how do we, how do we know, yep. you know? And so it's awesome that you guys are providing this training and you know, the, in the last few years, mental health has been able to not be this taboo topic spe specifically yep. in sports. Yep. Um, so that's amazing. What are some things that you think really resonate with the kids, maybe especially even now as they are going through the pandemic still? I think, well, I think the big one is, you know, 
realizing what life might be like if you're not able to play your sport. And for a lot of the kids that we work with, it is their life's passion, right? It's not just, hey, I'm doing it to go to college. It's like, I love this sport. I want to keep playing it. So that's how I look at it from a, you know, being able to play in college as I extend my playing career here too. So what we've done is tried to help them understand that, hey, this is not a lifelong event, right? Or lifelong activity, playing football, playing volleyball, playing tennis, whatever it may be, you know? So you need to start preparing yourself now for not having it around, you know, mm-hmm. in maybe even four years time, maybe even one year's time mm-hmm. with the pandemic and the way that opportunities are, are shaping up for, for kids to go on and play at the next level. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's, it's more about can you understand that this is not a lifelong thing? Mm-hmm. Can you understand that if you can make the most of it right now, you might create a better future for yourself, but it might not include this sport that mm-hmm. you're playing. And uh, I think we've seen more kids realize that and are making more conscious decisions with regard to their long-term future because of it. You know, at the on the flip side of it, it does mean that less student athletes are as committed to their sport, you know? So I think there are some implications that you know, you might feel in a few years time with lack of participation in youth sports and, you know, it's been going on with football, but I think others will have some of it come about here soon. But I've looked at that when kids tell us, hey, I don't want to play my sport in college anymore. I see that as a positive moment. I see that as a moment we should celebrate because there's a moment of clarity there for them. Mm -hmm. You know, they, and, and a lot of them, you know, they played it for a few years. They loved it at one point, the pandemic took it away for a few months and they realized they didn't need it or they didn't love it as much as they thought. And uh, it's just a a great moment for them to celebrate knowing that they're going to be able to channel that time and effort and energy into maybe something that will help them elsewhere. Yeah. And like, you know, for you, you um, played in college, but Mm -hmm. then after college decided to kind of pivot. Mm -hmm. And so like, how was that transition for you? Having to let Uh, go of the sport that you, that you, you know, played with since you were kiddo. You know, I think, um, was it sad? Yes. You know, but I think me personally, uh, I was prepared for it. I had prepared myself for it for a few years time. Um, some of the things that I really enjoyed about being able to participate in sports and in baseball in particular at the college and professional level were the camaraderie of mm-hmm. creating lifelong friendships, which I still have, mm-hmm. even though I'm not playing anymore. Right. Um, the ability to obviously stay in a good physical shape and feel good about, you know, my body or a workout I just did and knowing that that's benefiting me not just to play my sport more but just in general life too you know don't need to play baseball to still stay in good shape right you know so and then I think um, after I got some of the life lessons out of baseball you know for playing it for a few years I didn't need them constantly reminding me of them and like so I got you know like I, I used the dealing with failure example a few times you know, for, to be a good baseball hitter, you succeed 30% of the time, you fail 70% of the time. Mm. All right. So I was failing 70% of the time for a few years in a row. Um, and so I had already kind of taken that life lesson and didn't need it to be thrown in my face (laughs) too much anymore. But, um, no, so you know, walking away from it, it was a pivot, it was a change, but there were things that I got out of it and the things that fulfilled me personally that I was able to carry over into my, my regular Mm. personal life after it too. What are some other life lessons that you left with? Um, let me see here. Ah, good, good stuff. Uh, this one's a good one. Knowing your role. Mm. All right. Uh, you know, most of the time here, know your role. It's like a derogatory statement of sorts. But in a sport, in most sports, uh, in, in in particular, in most team sports, 
there's a, a large roster, right? Baseball at, at, in college at the Division One level, they're able to have 35 student athletes on the active roster, all right? But we know there are nine spots on the field to play, all right? So nine out of the 35 get to play on a regular basis. That means there's 26 kids there that are not playing, but they all have a role to play. And they might have a moment in which their role will be called upon to deliver. Um, and even in those starting nine, everybody's got a little bit of a different role. So, you know, learning that for a team to succeed, people have to do different things, but everybody has to do them their little things well is something that when I transitioned into the workforce, it made a lot of sense. How does a business succeed? How does a larger business succeed? Even a mid-sized business, even smaller businesses, everybody has a role at that business. And if we all do our roles well, we should see our team succeed by way of that. So that was one. Um, I liked that it helped you identify your weaknesses, mm. right? So we talked a little bit about reviewing game tape and you know knowing where your weaknesses were by way of looking at them in front of you on a screen. <laughs> um, you embrace your weaknesses. You, as an athlete, try to hide them, of course, but at the same time, behind closed doors, try to improve on them too. So they aren't a weakness anymore. You know, you don't get a lot of that, uh, in my opinion, outside of sport at a young age, right? Most of the time. You're being supported, you're being uplifted, your weaknesses are not being exploited, they're not being called out uh, like they would in a, in a sporting arena. Um, so I think that was another thing that I took away from, from playing baseball for a long time that I was able to transition over to personal life. Mm. Yeah. One of the things, since I have the pleasure of knowing you personally, <laughs> one of the things that I admire about you mm. is your consistency and commitment. Mm. And you know, some things that I see with some other friends that I know that were athletes mm. in high school or in college, if they don't have their team trainings, mm. they kind of fall out of a practice of movement because they don't know what to do. They don't have somebody telling them what to do anymore. And so like, I'm curious, like how have you, like what goes through your mind that keeps you so committed and motivated and consistent with your trainings and like dedicated to even create your own trainings yeah. and, and support yourself improving? So I, <laughs> a little bit of a, a, some, some, some shame here. Uh, there was definitely a period after which I was no longer playing organized baseball where this all went out the door, mm -hmm. right? To your point, like it was all set there for me, you know, team workouts at this time, we're all going to be stretching at this time. We're going to be weightlifting at that time, right? When that went away, I definitely had a transition period that I did not navigate as effectively as I could have. And that's, you know, I look back at that and as a learning experience, like we've talked about a few times already, but, um, for me, it was that aha moment, you know, and, and I guess, again, to, to infuse a little shame here, like you step on scales and you see, oh, the number's going up, right? Like I'm not doing my team workouts anymore and I'm not, you know, so I'm, uh, the team meals aren't there anymore and, you know, all that stuff. So um, there was a little bit of that, but I think I had already trained my body to know what that routine felt like. Mm. And it was more of a mental shift that needed to take place, more accountability and ownership. I talked about some of the things I learned by playing sport. But one thing I definitely didn't learn was how to take care of my body on my own, mm. right? I was trained, I was the techniques and the fundamentals were all there and the organization and the accountability and ownership was all there by being on a team that was doing it. But to, to drive yourself, to motivate yourself, to do it on your own was something I had to learn after the fact and was really more of a personal journey than anything. Nobody was there to say outside of the scale hey, you should probably go out and take care of yourself a little bit better. Mm. So, What shifted for you? 
Um, Besides the scale. Yeah. <laughs> In the wrong way. Pers- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Personally, yeah. you know, like, yes, scale numbers give yeah. us data, but, you know, they shouldn't be the yeah. fucking dictator. And I think, I think, too, the, you know, I think, uh, to your point, what shifted was the mental realization of I'm not who I was mm-hmm. from a mental standpoint you know, by way of some of these bad habits I've developed by not moving my body on a regular basis like I used to. So, you know, again, my, my weight gain wasn't the only factor in it, mm-hmm. and it may not have even the number one factor, but the uplift, the, the positive outlook I have after a workout, you know, I'm, I don't do yoga much, but I always talk about when I do it, when I walk out of that yoga studio, I can't, I, although I'm exhausted, I have this like, amazing outlook i'm like man let's what are we doing next like you know and it's you know it's just this idea of this physical improvement it has such a mental effect a positive mm-hmm. mental effect that uh even if you don't get to your goal weight or if you don't look like how you want to look i guarantee you go work out you'll still feel better and it, again those the overnight results are more on the mental side for me than they are on the, the physical side for oh, sure oh my so, god a hundred and thousand percent agree it's like when we move our bodies we're also moving our minds and and it's such a game changer and just having more possibility as you said and just kind of a better mindset yeah Yeah, it's I tell my wife from time to time when she's been sitting at her desk you know and, and doing a lot of work which I have a desk job too it's like hey if we go for a walk I bet you we'll come back we'll have a really strong end to our work day you know, and that's a pretty foolproof method so far. Totally. Yeah. Even, and you never, you know, that feeling of like, oh, what if I miss a ping or yep. what, you know, it's like, it can all wait. Yep. Your health is number one. The quality of work you do by way of sacrificing a half hour, an hour will improve. Uh, a half hour, an hour for a physical workout or just moving in some way, I feel like will improve your, your quality of workout. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Totally agree. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom and insights. If people want to learn more about you and learn more about NCSA, Mm -hmm. how can they connect? Yeah, you're more than welcome to reach out to me directly. My email is my first initial M, my last name, Dufek, D-U-F-E-K, at ncsasports.org. And then I would encourage everybody, whether you're a student athlete aspiring to go on and play in college or just a parent of a student athlete or, or happen to be involved in the recruiting process or curious about it, Go to our website, www.ncsasports.org. All sorts of just free and useful information right there. Amazing. Thanks, Mike. Of course. Thank you, Wade. Thanks so much for listening to the Center in the City podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to review us and share with your community. And until next time, stay centered.